Amen. Well, we're going to study uh, Philippians chapter 4, if you would turn there. Unless something unusual happens, I believe we're going to finish this study next week. But there's really one key verse, I would say one key verse tonight, uh, and then one key verse next week. But let's turn to Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read 14 through 18. So this is the last chapter, Philippians 4, 14 through 18. Notwithstanding, we, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And once again, we're, uh, Paul has great love for this church. He has a great uh, because I think they had a special place. Every believer in every church is going to be special, and they're God's people. But these had a special place because of the way that they reached out to Paul. He brought the gospel to them in Macedonia. Uh, they're in Philippi, and he was beaten and thrown into prison. He and Silas, the Lord delivered them out of that. And now he's in prison in Rome writing to them. And time and time again, the Philippian church had sought out where Paul was. Is he in need? We're going to bless him. We're going to bless him. It doesn't mean that they necessarily were wealthier than other, church, other churches, but they gave gifts. They sent Epaphroditus to him. And as I said, the whole, this whole epistle that we're studying of Philippians is a letter that Epaphroditus brought back from Paul. He wrote it in a Roman prison. He sent it back with Epaphroditus, who was a, an elder in the Philippian church, and brought it back to them. And we're studying it tonight. But they, they cared. And he had learned. We Remember last week, we, Paul says, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Lord had learned this from walking with God. He had learned this from seeing the faithfulness of God. God putting in him in positions where he was in need. And then Paul, having no one to turn to but the Lord, and he learned to turn to the Lord first and always. And as he did that, he saw God miraculously meet his need, whether it was physically or whether it was delivering him from prison or persecution in different places. There's one time where Paul was stoned and left for dead, and, and the saints gathered around him, and he, and he got back up on his feet and dusted himself off and went to the next town. He learned to be content in every situation. But he's still here. In this, what we're studying tonight in verse 14, he's commending this church. It's good to commend. You know, not to, as I said before, not that we flatter, not that we're empty wor words, because a lot of times flattery has something attached. You want somebody to flatter you back, you know, or you say a lot of nice things, so they'll ask you to come preach in their church or something like that. But he's commending them because this shows a great love for Christ and a love for the people of God. And he, he says this is a good thing. I, I, don't, I don't need any more gifts from y'all. Uh, I have all, I abound in all, he says, but 
I'm commending you because the gift that you gave to me is in the long run going to be profitable for you. This is really the thought for tonight. The thought is giving unto God, the things of God, the people of God, the ministries of God, giving as unto God from what we have and the blessings that come to us from that. Are other people blessed when we give, when we give to Aaron Shervenak or give to Keith and Candace or give to Samaritan's Purse? Absolutely they're blessed by it. No question uh, about that. But there's something I think a lot of times we forget is that we are the, we're extremely blessed because God's taking care of us. He's watching out for us when we give, and it pleases him. It's acceptable to God. So I just kind of, kind of want to move through this. They, they had sympathy for Paul. The, the believers, they're real people, okay, real Christian people. We don't know all their names. We know a few because a few names were listed in this epistle. But they had sympathy for Paul in his affliction. They actually sought out to find where is he, what's going on with him, does he have any need? Oh, he does? Let's, let's get something to him right away. As sacrifice to themselves, they did that. That is a godly trait, to actually seek out to try to help somebody. Because he had that place in God's kingdom, and he ha Paul had this place in their hearts and lives. Amen? They cared for him. They shared in his suffering. Not that they were suffering, but they shared in it. They shared in it because they loved him. They shared in it because they cared for him. They shared in his suffering in prison or wherever he was because they would... I'm sure they prayed for him and brought those concerns before the Lord. And they thought about Paul and they wanted to give. Okay? They thought about Paul and they wanted to give and wanted to reach out and help. And the Bible says that we're to love God first and then to love one another. Right? It's very simple. We ought not make it more complicated than that. We're to love God first and foremost. And then we are to, the second, great, second commandment is to love our neighbor as ourselves especially those of the household of faith, especially the believers where we can help and where we can meet and so uh, meet a need for them. We can't forget that when we help and pray for others that are God's servants or God's ministers, that we are allowed to per be partakers in their ministry. You may never go to China, okay? I may never go to China. You might. But there are people all over the world and there are people that are Christians that are serving God because God has raised them up for this. A Taylor, a Hudson Taylor, or different people that God's raised up to go to different places. Everybody didn't go with Hudson Taylor, but a lot of people sowed into that ministry earnestly, like from their hearts, gave and gave sacrificially and prayed. And when we do that, as believers, we get to be a partaker of the fruit of that ministry. We're a partaker of the suffering. We're a partaker of the the ministry that they have, but we're also a partaker of the fruit. And Jesus told his disciples in John 13, he says, A new commandment give I unto you, that you love one another. By this will all men, I think not just the church, by this will all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. And so that Paul really genuinely loved this church, and he knew from, from their, uh, their testimony, from their lives and their actions, that they genuinely cared and love for him. So let's look at verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as, as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. 
Paul, once again here, he did it in chapter 3. He's using accounting terms. These are literally accounting terms, giving and receiving. And in verse, uh, in verse 17, he talks about these, these things will abound to your account. These are accounting terms. He talked about in chapter 3, those things that were gained to me, I count them for, as loss, right? Count all things as dung that I might know Christ. And so he says the beginning of the gospel, he doesn't mean like the first day the gospel ever went out. It's believed what he's talking about here at the beginning of the gospel in verse 15. He's talking about when he first brought the gospel to them. You have to understand that the whole world lies in the darkness of sin. And until the gospel light is brought, they're going to stay in sin. Now, God can speak through creation and, con and conviction of sin and men's hearts and consciences. But Paul brought the gospel to this world, to this place, for the first time. So that was the beginning of the gospel there. And that it's talked about, and we don't have time to read it, but in Acts chapter 17, we really are going through in chapter 16 when... Uh, when Paul was, was first coming there, and there's Lydia, the seller of purple that's out there by the riverbank, and he, 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 uh, they, that's where the gospel first came. But this is Acts, Acts chapter 16 and 17. But Paul departed from Macedonia. Uh, specifically, Berea was the first place he had preached. If we, again, if we, don't have, if we had time, we'd look in Acts chapter 17. But he preached in Berea, and he had faced much persecution there. And so actually left and went to Athens. The disciples kind of got him out. He went ahead of them. That's when he went to Mars Hill, right, and began to preach about the unknown God with all the, in the midst of all the idolatry of Athens. But God had used Paul to lead many people to Christ. He established many churches in the area. But it's interesting that no church communicated with him as giving and receiving, but the Philippian church only. Uh, that word communicated means to share with others. He says there's no church that all these churches that the Lord used me to plant. He's not really complaining. You don't, you don't really get the hint that he's complaining or that he's actually just trying to trash the other church's character. You do get the feeling and the sense that he, in a very real way, he's trying to commend the church at Philippi. And he says, look, when I left, uh, when I departed from Macedonia, so he left Macedonia, which is the area where Philippi was and Berea, these other churches, and I went to Athens, okay? Uh, there was no church that communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So he's commending them. He, this is a good thing. When I read something like this and when I study something like this, it makes me more aware and want to be more aware of how I can help meet a need. In, in the Lord, like meet a need and be a blessing to someone else. And so uh, the word communicating means to share with others, to distribute, or to be a partaker. And no church was a partaker concerning giving and receiving but you. No church distributed to me. No church shared with me but you only. Again, he's not criticizing. I don't see it so much as a criticism of the other churches and, and the other epistles to these other churches he commends them for different things but obviously it was something the church in philippi got they understood it spiritually they did it they saw it as a as a joy they saw it as part of their christianity okay and these other churches didn't and they needed to because i think that is for every believer and for every church big or small 
that we are to communicate by giving. And so these believers, uh, one, one minister I'm studying, uh, Oliver B. Green says, believers should love, honor, esteem, true God-fearing pastors and ministers of the gospel and should give to help their lives. The Philippians actually got to share in the furtherance of the gospel. So this was part of, it's not just Paul, so to speak. It's God and Paul for sure. But the, along the way, God had people to meet needs. Epaphroditus brought a gift, right? He got sick, nine to death, and almost died on the journey there. Uh, people gave sacrificially. It blessed Paul. He was furthered on. It put wind in his sails to keep going. God could have done it some other way, but he chooses to do it through people, through like-minded people that he's redeemed as well. It teaches us something. It helps us grow. It, it teaches us to be dependent upon the Lord. It teaches us to care for others and to reach out. And so, again, we, we need to do that. I want, to, I want you to, uh, I'll just read this real quickly. In 2 Corinthians 11, 8, now this is kind of Paul saying, look, the Corinthian church, y'all never helped me like this. He actually says in, Philipp, in 2 Corinthians 11, 8, and he loved the Corinthian church. Don't get me wrong, but they missed it on this. Prayerfully from this epistle, they would have learned. But in 2 Corinthians 11, 8, Paul says, I robbed other churches by taking wages of them to do you service. I actually was taking money, not taking it. I was receiving money and gifts from other people specifically to come help and minister to you Corinthians. And I don't think the Corinthians had were poor necessarily, but again, they, they were immature. He says that in 1 Corinthians, right? They were carnal, they were immature, they were babes, and they weren't mature as, as mature as they should have been. And he says, I actually had to rob. That's the way he put it. Probably Philippi was one of the churches that he, quote, robbed. Not robbed, but you understand the point. That he robbed. Uh, wages of them, he says, to do you service. And so, verse 16, if we're still in Philippians 4, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. And where he says once and again, you can tell this more than one time. So here again, here's way back in the, you know, the first century, we see uh, the first real missionary, Paul and Silas, and at different times, Barnabas and different people with him, but Paul's going from place to place because God sent him there. He called him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And so he's going from place to place, bringing the gospel where it had never been before. He says, I don't want to build on another man's work. He's breaking new ground everywhere he goes. And here's a church. They were saved in the same fashion. Paul brought the gospel to them. They were saved. And they began to have, we don't know that there was a specific instruction by Paul now, you need to go start supporting me on the mission field. But they walked with the Lord in such a way that God taught them that. And they started supporting this man. It's very biblical when we support missionaries. We need to have good missionaries. We need to be involved. We need to pray for them. We don't just need to send a check blindly to them, being unaware of what's going on in their lives. We need to know their doctrine. We need to know uh, their, their character as much as we can their maturity and so forth in the Lord. And we need to give, and we need to give not grudgingly. We need to give like hallelujah, we have this to give. Amen? 
And this is something that the, the Lord had taught these people. But again, here he's talking about even in Thessalonica, a wonderful church. We read First and Second Thessalonians. He doesn't criticize the Thessalonians, but he says, there's no church that helped me but you Philippians. Even when I was in Thessalonica, he says once and again. He was there more than once, and he's, uh, they, met, they ministered to his needs, okay? And so they had, once again, they had the privilege of being part of the, the founding of this church. You know, it's not just Paul. It's the Lord, number one, using his man, Paul, and there are other people behind him that you don't know and you don't know their names that have part in, in the establishing of that church in Thessalonica. And these people did. Amen? They did. That is going to be credited to their account. And so let's look at that in verse 17. I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, verse 17. Not because I desire a gift. So he's not in a, you ever in an underhanded way kind of hoped somebody would give something to you, you know, kind of poor mouth and a little bit. He's not doing that. He says, it's not because I desire a gift. I desire, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Now, I guess if there's one thing I want to talk about tonight, it would be this, okay? When, uh, and I've said it, but I'm going to say it again. Paul understood, and he says, I want this fruit, this Christian fruit, this spiritual fruit, these rewards. Commended them to come from this. I want it for you. So it's good that you commended them. It's good that you gave to me as a minister of the gospel because it's actually redounding back to you. It is actually being credited to your account. I have the gift. I enjoyed the gift. I was blessed by the gift. My, my needs were met by the gift that you sent. But there's something God sees and he wants you to see. This is really being credited to your account, okay? You make a deposit in the bank, it's credited to your account. Make sure you put the right account number on there, right? So it goes to your account. And he's saying this is going to redound to your account. It's fruit for you. And all, all that we have belongs to the Lord. Just like uh, Alberta was sharing during the music, he prayed and shared that scripture. Uh, we hadn't talked about anything, of course. He had asked him to pray and share the scripture, but that is a scripture that we're using tonight is uh, in Luke where Jesus says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Why will they give? Because God's going to cause them to. God will cause men to give. When you give, it doesn't say wait to be given and then now I've got something to give because people gave me a lot. It says give and it shall be given unto you. The giving comes first. We're to give. Because we've been given eternal life. We've been given uh, all that we have from the Lord. Amen. And so don't, we're not to, and I'm speaking to all of us, okay? This is not pointing out anybody, and it's not a berating on, on anybody because we have a very giving church. But we're, we're not to make excuses as to why we can't give. We start right off the bat, well, here's why I sure wish I could give, but I can't. We're missing it right off the boat. You can give something, okay? And I can give something. Give, and it shall be given unto you. I want to read something, uh, a few words from this commentary that I ha have here before me. Their giving 
the Philippian church, give, their giving was governed by Christian principles. They were being led of the Holy Spirit, and Paul knew that their efforts would be justly rewarded. If we sow sparingly, the Bible says sparingly, we will reap sparingly. That is taught, right? If we sow sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully. God loves a cheerful giver, and if we give bountifully to his, bountifully to his glory, we can expect him to bless us bountifully as well. That is just a very simple truth, okay? But it's a biblical truth. We need to believe it by faith. It takes faith to step up and give. It takes faith to give uh, when things are tight. It takes faith any time, though. It takes somebody very wealthy. Sometimes it can be hard to give because they want more. It's not a matter of question of how much we have. It's, how, it's a matter of how much God desires for us to give and how big of a giving heart do we have from the Lord. God will give us the faith to do it. But their gifts that had been marked down to their credit in heaven, Amen. And Paul wanted his converts to live in such a way that when they appear before the Lord one day, as we all are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that they would be rewarded for their stewardship and they would receive a full reward. He wanted that. To me, that's a good pastor. It's, he was not the pastor of the church, but that's a good overseer that really wanted them. I want you all to get this and see it. Thank you for the gift. He couldn't thank him enough. It blessed me and I needed it. But really, I want you to see that the way you have ministered to me and my need time and time again, I want you to see, I don't need another gift from you, but this is a blessing for you. And we need to encourage each other to be liberal, not in our politics, but liberal in our hearts, in our giving to the Lord. Amen? Liberal in our giving to, to the Lord and to the things of God. And so uh, that, that is a wonderful trait. And so I want to talk about this just for a second. I believe that this giving, whether it's an individual or a church, like, like the Philippian church was giving, I believe it's an evidence of a changed life. I believe it's evidence of true Christianity, okay? I'm not talking about someone that has so much money they don't know what to do with it and they can very publicly like the 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 publican you know the the pharisees that would or would the rich man would blow the trumpets before him and give in the temple and everybody say look wow look how much he's given i'm not talking about that i'm talking about giving uh from the lord with the heart to give is a true desire is a true evidence that we're our life has changed because it is natural for men to be greedy. It is natural for men to be selfish. It is natural for men to be fearful. I'm not going to have enough. I'm not going to have enough. I'm not going to have enough. What about this? i got to save up for this. It's not saying we shouldn't save money. But I'm telling you, first of all, we're to give. First, okay? We're to give our tithes and we're to give our offerings as the Lord godly directs us from his word and he does direct us from his word but it's it's a godly trait it's very important that we give and it's not it's not the question well i don't have as much as so and so so i can't give and y'all I've, I've been in the ministry long enough to see it i've seen it here i've seen it on mission field when i've gone to to other countries by far every place i've been on a mission trip and to peru 
three times or so, to Mexico two or three times, to the Philippines, to Honduras four or five times, uh, prisons, inner city ministry here in the U.S., every, every place I've been without question, the U.S. is better off financially than those places. That's not the question. The question is, those are believers there, and they need to learn to give too. Do they have as much to give as we do? No. Uh, will we expect them to give like, like we give? Is their 10% 10 going to be equal to our 10%? No, it's not. But they need to learn to give, right? They need to learn to give from what they do have, and God will bless them for that. They're missing out. If, if the Americans just come and dump everything on them, and, and they expect that every time, and they never learn themselves to give. Maybe give to another church down the road. Maybe give to support a missionary. Maybe it's $2 where we would give $200. You understand the point, though? It's learning to give because it's a godly trait. And when we give, it shall be given unto us. So as ministers and as believers, we need to, to be givers, but we also need to be teaching people, rich or poor, teaching believers to give. Give something. Give. Pray about what to give. Not if you give. Pray about what to give, how much to give, how you can give. I just, I know that that's important to the Lord. We're still to give, whether we say, we, I don't have as much as such so-and-so so has. That's not the point. God's not comparing you to them. God doesn't sit up in heaven and say, well, you know, uh, this guy, Joe, doesn't have as much as Sam, so I'm going to excuse him and let him off the hook. He's not comparing the two. And he's not thinking that Sam's gift is a bigger gift than Joe's just because he gave more money. It's do we have a heart to give, to support the things of God, to give unto the Lord, and he will bless us for that. It's, again, it takes faith, but it also takes a heart for the Lord, his, his love uh, in us to do that. It's of the Lord, and we give sacrificially. We give sacrificially. We can give of our time. We can give of our money. We can give out of our own need. We give out of our need. Well, I'm, ne I'm needing a need met myself. Sometimes the best way to have that need met by the Lord is you get up and give. I need somebody to come pray for me. Sometimes the best thing that, that wakes me up and say, I need to go pray for somebody because I need to be ministering. I need to be serving, okay, and giving. And so a gift given with a pure heart and a pure motive is always accepted by the Lord. God will take care of us. We're going to talk about this more next week. God will take care of us when we give. I'm not talking about being foolish. I'm not talking about giving out of your mind what you think. I'm talking about being led by the Lord and giving as God leads you to give, even if it's sacrificially. Uh, God will take care of us here. You won't lack one thing. And we're going to be rewarded in the life to come. Y'all turn with me in heaven when we get there. You keep your spot there and just quickly turn to Matthew 6. Now this whole chapter, we could read it and it would be uh, applicable, applicable as to what we're talking about tonight. But Matthew 6, look at verses 3 and 4. And when thou doest alms, alms are, are not tithes. Alms are uh, offerings a lot of times to the poor. They're above and beyond. They're gifts given to help somebody in need, okay? Jesus said, when thou doest alms, not if, 
when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That thy alms may be in secret, but it's not really in secret. You don't have to come tell me, and I don't have to come tell you. Y'all, I didn't have a lot of money, and I just gave $200. I don't have to come tell you that. That your alms may be in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. We're blessed in this life, and we're taken care of. I'm going to promise you we're studying it next week. That's our main verse for next week, how God's going to supply our needs according to his riches and glory. But you cannot outgive God. I always remember my mother-in-law, Sean, always saying that when she served at Glory House and uh, just, just in life in general. You cannot outgive God. And you give to the things of God genuinely. I promise you, the, more than me promising you, God's promising you, he's going to take care of you. You're not going to lack or suffer. And you're going to grow in Christ. And you're going to have the joy. And on top of all that, there's all the rewards that are coming in heaven because it was credited to your account. Well, I didn't have much, but I gave anyway. That's credited to your account. The Lord is going to make sure that it won't go unnoticed. So we'll close with verse 18. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus. Remember, this is the elder or maybe, maybe even the head of the church, but he was definitely a significant leader in the church, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. He was the, he was the deliverer. And then he describes the gift. We know it was a financial gift, or maybe more than that, but he says it was an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And so the world would think, when he says right off the bat, I have all in a bound, remember where he is. He's in a Roman prison. When he says, I have everything, I have everything. You could meet somebody in a, a mansion, and they would be grumbling, complaining, because the, the pump on their fountain on their pool broke, you know, and they're, they're complaining. Uh, and and I'm, I'm not saying I'm any, any better, but my point is the world would think he's foolish, He's, he's in prison, and he's saying, oh, I've got everything I need. I'm abounding. I'm abounding. I mean, he, Paul learned to be content, and he learned to rejoice in all things. That is the theme of this epistle. So Paul could abound in chains, in prison chains, because he was abounding in Christ. He knew the Lord, and he walked with the Lord. He had everything he needed in Jesus. That's all I want. I just want to know him and the power of his resurrection, and I'm knowing him better, and I'm knowing him in a special way in this prison. There's a new way he's revealed himself to me in this prison that I didn't know him out there before I came in. So I'm abounding. I've got everything. And he had received this gift uh, from the Philippian church by the hands of Epaphroditus, and he, he says that this gift is actually an acceptable offering unto God. Now, we don't know how much they sent, but evidently it was, it was a wonderful gift. And he says, it, it, all my needs have been met. And so the Philippian stewardship, and I'm bringing this to a close, but the, the Philippian stewardship, and that's what I consider what we have, whether it's our health, our body, our time on this earth, our home, our finances, our cars, everything, our house, what we have 
we, are have, we have temporarily. Whether they have a lot or little, materially, we have, it's temporal. It's not, we are to be good stewards of that. That is very, very important to the Lord. It's not this one has more than that one. So therefore they can do more and so forth. It's, it's being a good steward of what we have. And it has to start with the Lord. Our heart to give back unto God, to recognize it comes from the Lord, to be thankful and to detach our fingers from it. Corey Tim Boom said the Lord had to teach her, uh, teach her to hold on to things very loosely in this life, whether it's loved ones or possessions or a home. So she, she said the Lord taught me to hold on very loosely to things. But that way it didn't hurt so much when God had to pry my fingers off of it. Hallelujah, right? If you just learn, and I'm speaking to myself, as we can just learn that it's all God's. If we can just learn to truly give it. He might not take it, okay? But if in my heart of hearts, sincerely not playing the game, I can really say that's yours. That car is yours. That back bedroom is yours. You know what I mean? It's yours. And what's, what's in my checking account and my savings account, that's yours. If we can really say that, then, then when God, there's a freedom that comes in that and being freed up from it. It's not that we're being foolish. I'm saying he may not take it. One day he's going to take it all and he's going to take us to be with him in heaven. It'll be left to somebody else and it won't matter, right? But while it is in our possession, it's very important to God that we're good stewards of it. That we're good stewards. That we use it wisely, yes. But the wisest use is to be, to be givers. To be givers as God would lead us to. And so the, the Philippian church's stewardship was like a measuring stick, a barometer of their spiritual condition. Not the only one, but it was a measuring rod maybe to compare. Not that we compare ourselves to other, but as I said, the other churches that didn't communicate and they did. He's commending them for this. There was something, some maturity they had, some heart of love that they had and they're giving and caring for others. In this case, it was Paul. You know what it helped for them, just even in this life, how it helped them? It kept them from the deceitfulness of riches. Having a heart to give time and time again kept them probably from being the deceitfulness of riches, which Jesus talks about. It kept them from a carelessness as to the needs of others. In other words, they were aware. As I said at the beginning, it's very, have we stopped to think, well, I wonder what, Aaron Chervenak needs right now. That's a missionary that we support monthly. We get little emails from her. Some of y'all probably do as well. Do we th think about her? We're not so busy that we can't pray for her in her ministry every day. You know, God use her in the lives of those children. God protect her because she goes around in some hostile places. God meet her needs. God bless her church there. You understand what I'm saying? We need to be thinking about that. And so this showed on their part, they weren't just oblivious and careless to others. It kept them from being self-centered and kept them in giving towards others. And so they were walking so closely to the Lord, as I said at the beginning, that they were led by the Holy Spirit to give. Because we don't see any commandment that was written, hey, Paul, you know, hey, church in Philippi, this is Paul. I've got a $100 bill due, you know, by the end of the week, you need to get it to me. It's your job. I led you to the Lord. You know, we don't see that. We see that the Lord, they were walking closely to the Lord 
and heard from the Lord. And they said, oh, our brother Paul's in trouble. Let's help him. Yeah, let's help him. And they got their gift together. Epaphroditus, would you bring it to him? Yes, I'll be glad to. You see, they had part, they had a partakers in what was going on. It was credited to their account. And the last thing I'll say is he's, the Lord, the, the word of God says that that offering, they thought maybe they were just given to Paul. They were just, were just given to some poor preacher locked up in jail. But actually they were given to the Lord, weren't they? They're actually given to the Lord. Paul was just a minister of the gospel, of Christ's gospel. They were, it was acceptable to God. Look at it, verse 18. The offering you gave, which I received, which was a blessing, it's actually an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Amen? And so, again, I'll, I'll just close with this. When we, when we give, we're not just given to Samaritan's purse. We're not just given to some, uh, you know, the church in Ukraine that we were able to get money to them early on in this, this war over there through somebody that Aaron Sherman given to some knew that they knew that it was a real Christian in, in that part of the world. We're not just given to some poor, troubled Ukrainians. We're given to the Lord. We're given to God. It's in his name. You know, when we give, you know, I, I have, and I'm sure you have over the years, you've given a gift to somebody, maybe in real need, or somebody real poor, or somebody that doesn't even, not even saved and may not ever going to get saved. We've given gifts to them before and say, look, don't, just receive it as from God. I'm not asking you to pay it back, not want anything in return. I want you to know that the Lord loves you enough to give you this. Receive it as from the Lord. This is a gift from God. You know what I mean? And maybe their eyes will be open to how much the Lord loves them. But that it, it does uh, redound to our account. It is credited to our account. And I just praise God that we get to give. Not that we have to give. And not shame on you if you don't give. We get to give and partake. And, I mean, Aaron's ministering to Muslims in New York, okay? Uh, little children in their school Bible clubs. And if souls are getting saved, we get to be partakers of that. We get to be a part of that. We're going to meet people in heaven, and we're going to be part of the reason. That's all glory to God, okay? But we're going to be part of the reason that they're there. How lovely are the, are the mountains of the feet of them that bring good news. And we're helping to send. And we're helping to go when we go out sharing the gospel in the streets as well. So y'all stand with me. We'll just close with that thought tonight. Church, God doesn't want us to be stingy. He doesn't want us to be stingy. He doesn't want us to just hang on so tightly to things. He wants to teach us. It has nothing to do with the economy. The economy is really good or the economy is really bad. Uh, it has to do with the heart to give. And obedience when the Lord does say to give, even if it's out of our own need. I'm not begging for money. I don't need your money. Uh, God is, is a very giving church, and we're very blessed uh, in, in that way. But still, 
I would be remiss if I, as a pastor I wasn't wanting you and desiring you for God's sake to be givers. God wants to bless you. Amen? He wants to bless you. And, and he wants us to be givers. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name.